Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Welcome to The Gathering Room. I'm so happy to see you here. I was thinking, you know, I always think throughout the week, what do we want to talk about on The Gathering Room on Sunday? And this week, we were in our household, we were trying to decide what to tell our 20-month-old Lila, what to do to reinforce her behavior. Like she's in a place where she's in that phase where she will like take some, a piece of precious something like a Tic Tac. She'll hold something out. Oh, and you say, no, no. Like, she, and she starts to tip it. You're like, no. And she just stares you dead in the eye and just drops it. Yeah. She's in the time where you really do need some behavior modification strategies. We mostly like to praise, not blame. Important point, I hope in your own heads, in your own lives, that you use praise more than blame. Praise, by the way, has been calculated to be 51 times as effective as criticism for modifying behavior. So there's that. But then we had this thing where we were saying, good girl, when she would do things. Problematic in several ways. First of all, it assumes she's a girl. Who knows? We have to wait for her to tell us what she feels like. Okay. The other thing is that when you say you're a good girl because you didn't drop the Tic Tacs or whatever, you then imply that when she does do things not perfectly, like if you say, oh, you learned to spell your name in, you know, in kindergarten, good girl. It means that if she can't spell or she can't count the way other kids can or something, she's not a good girl, even if you don't say it. So, okay, we've been out online, we've read books. Hmm, no, not a good girl. But then what do you say? So we start out with, oh, you, ah, good, good job. And then it's like, oh, now I'm reinforcing jobs. It really gets bad. So I have come to rest, and I think everyone in our family likes this, on the phrase, you did it. And it's been really effective because, you know, it's inarguable if she did it. And you can say it with great festivity. And it feels good. And it's just, you know, it's true. So then today I was, I was planning to do a gathering room on like, how do we get better at this or that? How do we feel better? Heal our wounds, blah, 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 blah. And someone sent me a podcast episode by a brilliant podcaster named Jessa Reed. And I think the podcast is, as a whole is called Awakening. And in this one episode that my friend sent me, uh, an eighth dimensional being disguised as a comedian reluctantly shares pointers for life in the matrix. So as this alien, Jessa Reed comes in and she says, okay, here you go. All this healing, you've done a lot of it. Like maybe just go out in the sunshine for a while. I mean, maybe take a small break from trying to be better, trying to work on yourself, trying to fix your problems. You've done so much. She's like, look at how much less reactive you are than you used to be. Look at how you know when someone's projecting onto you and you don't let it get you. Look how you are more reasonable with your friends, all the things that you've done. And it's actually, she's incredibly funny and you should definitely go to her podcast, Jessa Reed, J-E-S-S-A-R-E-E-D, because uh, she deserves an audience. But I love the fact that she was basically saying, you did it. And she says, you know, you're, you're all trying to awaken. Y'all, speaking as the eighth dimensional being, she's like, you may be, 
you're awake, okay? Maybe you're awake. Have you thought of this? Have you thought of all the ways in which you are already awake? Could we stop for just a minute and celebrate what you've already done? And I thought, here we've been trying to think of something to tell our child that will not give her complexes. At the same time, working from such a nest of interwoven complexes that you can barely think through the problem to get through your own psychology. So I just started looking at my friends, at my family members, and just going, oh my gosh, you did it. You did it. Let's think of some things that you did. Like I look at myself and I think, okay, I'm in the middle of another book. I'm wrestling with chapter summaries and I was supposed to get it to my agent a month ago. But last year, I had a book that came out. I did it. I did it. And I know that's not always relatable. I mean, some of you don't have books published and it's really a bummer. Just remember that I'm like older than hair. So you have lots of time, okay? But just let's think about the things that you you did. A uh, beloved person in my life um, did this beautiful mosaic tile in her bathroom. I mean, it was like a work of Roman art and the buyers said they loved it and she went back to see them and th they'd torn it all out. And the sense of loss was awful. And I thought about the Tibetan monks who make these fantastically intricate mandalas out of sand, colored sand. I mean, they're beautiful. And then they take a brush and just brush it away. Now we have pictures of them, but in the old days, they didn't even keep a picture. No mementos at all. And it's their way of saying everything is impermanent. The creation of beauty is a joy in itself. And... Um, the existence of something ephemeral and lovely is exactly the state of human life. The existence of something ephemeral and lovely, it's all going to go away. But you did it. You did it. And when you go to the gym and you lift a weight, I, uh, I've been doing physical therapy because since my foot surgery, I basically... <clears throat> I basically do the limp all the time and one side of my body is not like the other. And so I, I go to this physical therapist and she just shreds me. She makes me exercise muscles I do not want to to move. And then I like, I stagger out of there, barely able to move, but I did it. And the point of doing the exercise, you know, deep squats on one leg, no, I hate this with weight, ah, no. But the reason you go out stronger is that you did it. Not that it needed to last, but that you did it. So I want all of you, all of us, right here, right now, to think about things that you have done in the past. And I even want to use, let's see, the comment fields. And yeah, if we were on Zoom, we'd have a chat box. But you're just going to have to write in, um, Think of anything that you have done this week that you that you did. You didn't have to do it right. You didn't have to do it well, but you did it. Let me think. Oh, I wrote a newsletter yesterday. Yes, I did. I did it. It was short and it wasn't great. And I can see places where I re repeated myself, but I did it. What else? Um, oh, I walked around outside with the child. It was amazing. I did it. Okay, here we go. Uh, I did the splits, says Amor Tosc Toscano. 
Um, Destin had played volleyball, signed up for WLCT. Did it. Laundry. I did it. Co-produced my first film. Did it. Made a bank blanket. Baby blanket. Oh, yeah. I rested. Good job. You did it. Grew flowers. Drove eight hours to Virginia for the first time. Moved to another country. My God, you people are very intimidating. Made good soup. Yes. Repaired my deck. Oh, and I made a cheesecake. I did it. Um, even though the sides were curdled and only the middle tasted good, I took it to my friend and said, eat the middle. Rod gave up smoking? Whoa. Je Sonia went for two hikes. Ava bought 10 kinds of ice cream. Oh my God. Amy practiced her coaching. Janet washed the floor. Whoa. Okay. Recovered from an Achilles tear. You guys are blowing my freaking mind. So I just want you, I mean, if you're still writing something, go ahead and write it. But those of you who already wrote something, I want you to just take a really deep breath in and let it out and go, yeah, like here we are with our one wild and precious life. And it's not meant, we're not all meant to be rich and famous. We see what's happening to rich and famous people in the news and they're not happy usually and they die like all the rest of us. So it's the quality of appreciation that we bring to everyday things in human life, that that's what this whole thing is about. That's why in Zen they say, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. That's what you do in a pre-industrial space. And after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And you rake the stones in the garden or you pull a weed and you say, ah, I did it. I did it. And even if you just lay in bed, Part of you is probably processing things. I spent a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of time, years, just basically lying down, processing stuff inside, emotionally, psychological. That's what le led me here. Okay. Oh, somebody did all the exercises in my book, The Way of Integrity. I haven't even done all the exercises. Yes, I have. But not in one week. Okay. So now... We're going to up the ante a little bit. I want you to look back on the last year. Well, no, let's look back on the whole pandemic. How about that? Let's go to the beginning, 2019, early 2020. Our lives got shut down. Doesn't matter how long in the future you're listening to this, you probably remember. And like all our ways of doing got cut off. What did you do anyway? Some people did things like reproducing famous works of art with stuff they found around the house. Like instead of an Elizabethan rough collar, they would wear a string of toilet paper rolls and they put them up. Some people went out on their balconies at sunset every night and banged pots and pans to say, we're here, we're alive, and we thank you for being on the front lines. Those of you who are working in health and, and, cafe and grocery stores and trash delivery and everything. Um, some people did that. They went out and they were on the front lines. Some people, maybe you actually got a mask and wore it <laughs> to protect yourself and other people. That's something you could do. If you don't agree with that, that's okay. Maybe you just stayed home and protected other people and yourself that way. I just want you to look at the, uh, the months since that lockdown and think of the days that you were cooped up or isolated or 
terrified on the front lines of something really scary and go, I got through that. I got through it. What did you do to get through it that makes you feel in your heart, yeah, I did it. I'll tell you what I did. I, um, I got calmer. And that, that's the subject of my next book because it turns out calm is a really hard thing to come by in this world and anxiety is rising all over the globe. So I learned to calm myself. And it wasn't even one day. It was day after day after day after day. I got calmer. Someone rescued a sweet dog from Puerto Rico. Oh, someone moved to Pennsylvania Dutch country. That's good. You won't have public conveyance to worry about. Survived on a salary of $16 an hour. Oh my God, incredible. Worked as an urgent care medical director and did not get COVID. Stayed home and protected other people. Became a feminist. Stayed true to myself. I just survived and I'm proud of it. I dug deeper and did things I didn't think I could do. Yes, yes. I created and taught classes online and I'm so proud of it myself for it. I stayed creative. I sent lots of, oh, I want to see that one. It went away. I sent lots of um, snail mail Christmas cards to seniors, good friends and family, purged people that didn't support me. Whoa, this is amazing. Decided on a major life change. Boop, boop, boop. I loved, says one person. Isn't, just sit with that for a second. I loved. I loved. I did it. I cooked a lot more and continue cooking, making healthier meals, writing a children's book too, wrote my memoir and had it published. Hello. Confronted old trauma. No kidding. Kept evolving. Uh, planted a lot of vegetables. Okay. This is incredible. This is like, look at what you did. I did it. And you can think of, I challenge you once this little gathering room is over, go make a list of 10 things you've done that you're proud of, that, that were good, a good use of your one wild and precious life. Think of 20 things you did during the pandemic. Think of 20 things you did in the past week. Then start thinking of 20 things you already did today. What have you done today? Huh? Let's put that one in. Ha ha ha. Donated to people helping abandoned animals in Ukraine. Oh my gosh. Kept breathing and got my kiddo with learning differences into a better school. That's incredible. I maintained connections with my loved ones. Oh, beautiful. Um, found you. I love you. I'm so glad. Cont contributed to Equifor Peace. Precious family time with brother and sister. Oh, I worked on the front line at a grocery store. Took Wayfinder training. Woo, 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 woo. So this very day, well, I, I, I got up, got, took a shower, oh, a bath. I took a bath. I took a bath in Epsom salts because um, Epsom salts, the magnesium in the, in the water sinks into your skin so you don't have to eat it. It goes right to your muscles. Who knew? I found that out at physical therapy. Um, so all of us have done things this very day. Now, compare this with the narrative in your head on a usual day, on an ordinary day. You're thinking, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do, I didn't do that well enough. Oh my God. Did she think I was being dumb? Oh, I didn't call. I did call. I shouldn't have called. Uh, I should call back. Um, like, did I do enough work? I've done too much work. Am I in the right job? Where will I find another? Like, this is the stuff that the culture puts in our heads, right? And our 20 month old walks around the house going, 
did it! I did it! I did it! What if you go forward from this gathering room and for the rest of today, all you have to think, all you have to do is notice when you've done something and just bask in the glory of what you've done and start looking back at your life. You got through school, you got out of that one horse town or you got into that one horse town. You um, found true love or you found wrong love and it broke apart and you survived that. You've, um, you've become much more centered. You've become much more um, kind. Start looking at all the things you did that you're proud of and it, the momentum, this is what I'm seeing with our baby, the momentum of the enjoyment and the celebration of I did it means that you go into the next thing with more optimism, more enthusiasm, more self-confidence, more joy. And I really believe with Jenna Reed that that, or Jessa Reed, sorry, that that actually is what we humans should be doing right now. Getting into the mode of being that keeps us creative and joyful and focused on our spiritual development because it's the only thing we're going to take with us and we're going to we're going to get to the end and go what did I do so here are some questions that have come in hello the lovely peoples this is Marty Martha inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called five paths to your purpose Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. Um, someone says, first of all, am I older than the musical hair, me, or Emma, or the hair that keeps growing after we die? <laughs> oh, Disenlightened Edits sent that in, and you did it. That is funny. Yes, it's the hair that keeps growing on refrigerated, refrigerated things after they get past their expiration date. Really ancient. Um, somebody says, I did write a book draft. I did adopt a dog. Oh, amazing. Okay. So people are coming in on all circuits showing us, oh, Jamie Lynn is going to bring Wayfinder training to underserved communities, Indigenous, BIPOC, LGBTQIA+. Basically, you guys are overwhelming me with your accomplishments. I am God smacked. So how do we go forward getting out of the mind ruts that say, I need to do more, I didn't do that right, and into the neurological connections that just say, with deep contentment, I raked the garden, I carried the water, I chopped the wood, and I was present. How do you get into that? You drop, you, you get out of culture. So go into your room by yourself, that's all I mean by that. And make a list. Rosa always saying, stop making people make lists. It's so self-helpy. And it is. But I did it. <laughs> Just start thinking through how many things you've done in your life. And then 
go back out of your room and somebody says, why didn't you do the blah, blah, blah? And instead of going with that, you go inside and you say, oh no, I did other things. I did the things I chose. One of the things that happens when you put yourself out online, and I've seen this with loved ones lately too, is that you get attacked no matter what. Because there's such a state of anxiety and oppositional energy online right now that um, you publish anything, whatever it says. I mean, there are people who are going to email me today and say, this is a destructive way of thinking. I can't believe you would do this. It's not enough to say I did it. Well, there's a lot still to do. That's what you're going to confront as you go out through life. If you get yourself caught in that matrix of anxiety, there is actually a part of your brain that will turn it into a cycle that goes up and up and up. And when you break that cycle by saying, no, I'm going to look at what I did, unquestionably, I did it. I suggest you make something with your hands, if that, whether it's typing it onto a computer or making a paper airplane or cooking a stew or planting a flower. Do something with your hands and when the world comes at you and says you did something wrong or you didn't do enough or you shouldn't have done that, you look at the thing you made and you went, no, I'm a creator. I created. That's what I came to this earth to do and that is what I have done. Look, I have created. So City Lotus says, do you think you can train your brain to feel more joy and confidence? I know you can. And here it's surprising how it works. It's not just that you like focus on self-esteem. No, if you focus too much on self-esteem, you actually get more anxious. You're trying to be prouder of yourself and it's an effort and you're always afraid you're not doing well enough. And so the anxiety cycle starts to spin. How do you get a brain that's confident and joyful? You become so intensely involved with the process of I did it, of making something, that here's what happens. The left side of the brain has to give up because it's not creative. And the energy of the anxiety is on the left hemisphere of your brain. So as you move into the right hemisphere and become curious, creative, and use your hands to make things in three dimensions, the parts of the brain that are stuck in anxiety start to wither and the parts that are joyful and confident get stronger and stronger. And the more you're in the, in the mode of I'm doing it, I did it, I'm right here in the middle of it, the less anxiety you will feel. And then your joy and confidence will go whoop. And um, you can, I, I'll, never rem I'll never forget this. I, when I was 19, I was so introverted and anxious. And um, I got, I entered a road race. Uh, I, I was running with other runners. And it happened to be in the mountains, up, up and down really stock, steep, rocky trails. So I started running and I thought, wait, I know how to do this because I've biked a lot. I'm going to put myself in really low gear and take little tiny steps really fast. So I was really intent on finding a path through the rocky things. And all these people were loping past me, but then I would pass them with my little tiny steps because they'd get tired or they couldn't get there or they'd fall down. And I was so intent on the doing of it. And when I got to the end, I didn't even notice I came in second in the whole race. It's the only time I've ever even come close to winning a physical race. And at that moment, there was a guy who had won the men, and he was my, we were both 19, and he came up and asked me out. And the reason was that other, rather than just hiding from the world as I usually did, I was so involved in the process and I was so pleased by saying I did it that I dropped my anxiety mask and my real self shone through and he was drawn to that. 
Lord knows this was not a typical experience for me to just get asked out by guys that I'd barely met. But it really taught me a lesson about how my presence and my involvement in the process and, and all I wanted to do was finish. I did it. I ran the Boston Marathon. I did it. And when I was in, I did it. People wanted to be around me and I felt good being around them. Okay. So Amira says, how can you go after your dream while you know it might upset some people? You know what? Start doing it and start thinking, I did it. I did it. I did it with every single step you take. And the people may be upset and they may not be upset. It doesn't matter. When you get to the end of your life and you look back on it, you won't say, I am so glad that I didn't pursue my dream because it really pleased Ralph and, and Betty. You know, you are not going to be looking at that. You'll say, I'm really glad I pursued my dream, even though it upset Ralph and Betty. You won't even remember what you didn't do because it displeased some people. If you're constantly in the energy of, I want to do this, even if I'm doing it is I am going to sleep so well tonight, or I'm going to be so, I'm going to rest so deeply. I'm just going to lie here limp. A lot of, you know, a lot of animals, I just got back from South Africa, animals really rest like they mean it. I mean, they are deeply into the process of rest. And when they wake up, you can watch a pride of lions for hours. They sleep 20 hours a day and they sleep like they mean it and they purr and they roll around a little, but mainly they just sit there. And then when they get up, they're like, I did it. I rested. And they're very pleased with themselves. They couldn't care less what you're thinking as you watch them. Okay. Um, Rose says, is part of what you're saying that even if the path to an achievement is a bit messy, it's still worth celebrating? Rose, you did it. You put that perfectly. The path to the achievement is the joy of it. We never get to keep the achievement. We're all going to die. <laughs> but we get the path as part of ourselves. The way I get the strength in my muscles when I leave physical therapy, even though I don't take anything physical you know, any foreign object out of that room, out of that studio, I take a different self because I did the things that were hard for my body. Um, hmm, let's see, what have we got here? Um, how do you manage your time? <laughs> yeah, the right hemisphere isn't so good on time. I was talking to Ro, my beloved Ro, um, yesterday who was writing. Um, she wrote a newsletter and someone took... Lila, the baby, uh, out for an adventure. And Ro was writing. And she wrote this brilliant piece that you should read um, on her Substack post. Ro and Mangan, Substack. I think that'll take you to it. Anyway, the point is that she wrote, she handed the baby off, wrote for 30 seconds, and the baby was back. And she was like, who's going to take the baby? She'd been writing for four hours. And did not notice the passage of time. Now you could say this is a problem. I don't think it's a problem. I think you should be very proud that you went into the creative process to such an extent that time stopped for you. Oh my God, I just read a book by a prodigy violinist and she said the way she was taught to do those incredibly fast runs on the violin, like their fingers are moving so fast you can't even see them with such precision. And her teacher told her, you don't, you can't do it that fast. So don't try. What you need to work on is elongating time. Like see that moment as stretched out ahead of you forever. 
there's no hurry at all. You're completely relaxed. You're just thinking about the music and your fingers go all by themselves. So that place of timelessness is a deep, magical creativity. It's where you do encounter spirit. It's where you do leave the line of linear time and go into eternity, which means external to time. So I would first of all say that losing track of time is not such a bad thing. And if you have experienced it, you should say, I did it. But that said, you can agree with someone who loves you or you can program your watch or your phone or whatever to tell you when something needs to happen and to you know, set an alarm and it has a little label. Uh, I tried to set mine the other day and uh, I told my phone, remind me to do whatever. And the phone said, what do you want me to change this to? I didn't want it to change. So I said to the phone, make it the same. So then later I got an alarm and I looked at my watch or my phone and it said the same. And I still don't know what I was supposed to do. But usually, my point is not that. My point is that you can use the systems of the physical world to make sure that you interact with the, the culture and its time-bound focus and all of that to some extent. And if you do that, and if you're really good at keeping time and always showing up on time, say, I did it because that is hard. If you're a shower up on timer, you did it. And if you got lost in the creative process or the joy of living so you forgot what time it was, you did it. You guys, I really believe I've had my near-death experience half my life ago, but it still stays with me as if it happened 10 seconds ago. And I really believe with all my heart that when we step across into the spiritual realm, we are met by joyful presences and they say, um, you're back, you're back. And you will look back at your life. And I don't care if you were a heroin addict on the streets, if you were a rich and famous person, if you had 10 kids or none, you will look back at it and, and say in complete awe, I did it. And all the loving beings in the universe will gather around you and cheer and cheer. And they'll repeat, you did it. You got here to this point in your life this day. I don't care what went before. You did it. And I am so freaking proud of you. So I hope you're very proud of yourselves too. And that's what I wanted to say today on The Gathering Room. And I'll see you next time. Go forth and do wonderful things or not. Do bad things. And either way, you did it. Love you. Bye. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. 
It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. 